At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. We stay the course. We are dead. We are all dead. We're supposed to make the world a better place. What happened? I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I know Kung Fu. You either die a hero, or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. This whole thing is insane. This whole thing is insane. 300 years ago, you'd have been burned at the stake. What do all men of power want? More power. This is now the United States of Zombieland. This whole thing is insane. Man is even capable of nothing but destruction. Everybody is stuck with the things that they're not proud of. More power. Welcome to the desert of the real. More power. There can be only one. Are you a God-fearing man, Senator? You're such a strange phrase. I've always thought of God as a teacher, as a bringer of light, wisdom, and understanding. You see, I think what you really are afraid of is me. Happy Heresies and welcome to the Desert of the Real. Heresy shouldn't be this much fun, but it just is, even in a world of nipples for men and where Doctor Who has been ruined beyond hope by shitty writing. Welcome to the audio version of Aeon Byte Live, episode 27. Raw, uncensored, and unfiltered, just like the truth you've been looking for across all your existences. Supercharged by stellar audience participation. On this episode, the brilliant esotericist Gigi Young joined us to discuss her life as a psychic, as well as her views on the various extraterrestrial agents and dark occult forces invading our planet and how the forces of light help us. We took a deep dive into AI, transhumanism, and other archonic technology. We covered the very relevant ideas of Rudolf Steiner, 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 and other occult exemplars. As a bonus for patrons and AB Prime members, I'll include an excerpt from a past interview with Lawrence Gallian where he gets more granular on the issues of Steiner's Ahriman, Lucifer, and the Eighth Sphere. I feel it brings added context to Gigi's powerful interview. In the end, if you don't get deeply worried about transhumanism and AI and the Archon invasion, 
then you might want to check your family and friends' LinkedIn profiles for MKUltra on their job description. Thanks for those of you, compromise or not, who support on a weekly basis. Please continue to help me grow this red pill cafeteria. We need Gnosis more than ever, as Gigi contends very wisely. And we've only just begun reaching those who need to wake up. You won't find this high-quality Gnostic and Hermetic wisdom, or guess and their unique insights, anywhere else on the Internet. Or meat space. But enough of my short drivel. Led us to a stellar and interstellar interview with Gigi Young. Write your own gospel, live your own myth. Well, this is uh, Aeon Bite Live, episode 27. Welcome to the desert of the real and happy heresies, as I like to say. We will uh, let people start joining our chat room. But tonight, as always, we've got a great show. And with us, we've got Gigi Young. Gigi, thank you very much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. Wonderful. And with us, we've got the Moondog, Van Sachi. How goes it, Vance? I'm uh, doing just fine and really looking forward to this show. It's right up my alley, as you know. Yes, indeed. It's quite, quite a lot we can cover, and as always, a little house cleaning. I'm sure most of you know we will have this show. It will be available um, afterwards on YouTube, as always, and then it will be out on all our podcast catchers, most of, most that you know, like iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and all the good ones, so you'll be able to find it there. So, And we will, as always, have audience questions. So if you have questions, please type it on the comment section, put like two or three question marks so Vance or I can glean them and then ask Gigi about your, ask the questions to Gigi. So wonderful. I don't see us live. I wonder why. Am I not subscribed to my own channel? Did, wow. I get, did I get shadow <laughs> banned? You didn't pay your dues this month. <laughs> Mine says live and recording. Do you see like oh, three little faces there? Okay, okay. Oh, we're on. We're on. All right. All right. Gremlins. <laughs> Maybe I did get, oh, there it is. Live now. I got to hit that. Let me turn off. Uh, I'm getting commercials. My God. Commercials to watch my own show. Uh, what is it's this? getting world? bad what? out there. <laughs> yeah, you never know. All right. Well, people are starting to pile in into the chat section so it should be very exciting so why don't we start with you Gigi as you have talked about previously in your uh, well in your YouTube channel as well as on the dark journalist and on your website you had a sort of a modern day road of Damascus experience that changed everything didn't you could you share with the audience a little bit about this yeah, so I had a very significant kind of, it was, a, it was a spiritual experience, but it was unique in that it was like an ET spiritual experience. And um, I was actually in Japan and I was working and I was really lonely. 
and um, I didn't speak the language, obviously. And so I had nothing else to do than really just be by myself and meditate. And so after about two weeks or so, I started to basically psychically like break open. That's the only way that I could really describe it. I just started to just break open. And long story short, I ended up seeing the word Pleiades or Pleiadian in my mind. Um, that was one of the first things that happened. First, it was just like an energy, but then it got more specific. And I just saw it in my mind. I had no idea what that was. You know, it was, it was really before the internet was really this source of information that it is now. Like people weren't on YouTube talking about things. And there wasn't a whole lot of, I mean, the websites that existed were like bizarre websites that would open up and it'd be like weird unicorns floating around and like wav music would play oh, and it God, was just yeah. so strange the whole cosmic scene was so strange um and so i just thought oh my god i'm tapping into like a star system or something that's so weird like this is a weird thing but i couldn't get it out of my mind and so i started asking people and nobody everyone's like i think that's like a greek like like goddess or something. And I was like, what's happening to me? Like I was seeing things differently. I was experiencing the world differently. And, um, and then eventually I had a dream, a dream where um, I was on a ship and I remembered like coming to earth or kind of like falling into earth. And um, I remembered basically connecting with what I felt was myself in another form that was a Pleiadian form and there were other people around and I woke up and I, it was actually a little bit more involved, but for sake of time, you know, and I actually tried to completely deny the experience. I was like, this is space people stuff. This is Star Trek stuff. This is not for me. You know, I have a good job. Like I'm fine. I don't need to, I don't need to foray into the weird part of the, see like I'm, I'm okay and so I, I tried to ignore it and um, I woke up and my laptop was closed and it actually started talking to me about Atlantis and like an actual voice was talking to me about Atlantis and uh, Pleiadians and like just all this stuff and I was like okay so I'm this is some kind of physical validation so that was my that was my first spiritual experience that was like this is this is what you're going to do <laughs> so oh wow. so it was pretty earth shattering and it changed everything that <clears throat> excuse me how did it change your life because for example me something like that wouldn't surprise anybody because people always thought i was just a crazy kid <laughs> from the, if there was like a somebody who people would say in their new year this is the guy who will go have mystic experience or whatever would be me what about you did it change your life big time well i was always weird mm. like i was always weird and i was always interested in in spiritual experiences i was always reading about it like i was interested but i wasn't like i would never say that i was like a you know incredible psychic or anything like that um and it changed my life in that i just completely had a different perspective and it actually the the energy of it made me clean out my life so basically anything in my life that was not serving me was forced out over a period of like 10 years, seven years around there. 
So any, any, you know, suddenly my work, which I really loved, or I didn't love it, but it was, I was in that zone, you know, um, just started meaning less and less and less to me. And I, I was in fashion. I worked as a model. I was successful. And suddenly it meant less and less to me. All this that I'd worked up for, you know, meant less and less to me. And, um, and then the relationships that I had in my life also began, I, I, I just was like, why am I in this relationship? You know, why, why, why are these people my friends? I don't <laughs> like, you know, it just, just my whole temperament, my whole perspective just did a 180. And I began cleaning out anything that was not in alignment with my heart. And I made YouTube videos eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've been at it for a while. And yeah, like you said before, it was big. And now it's pretty much ubiquitous. And uh, the whole UFO thing is just, it seems to be happening. So, and I love your take. And how would you say you are today? For example, there's like, I see two type of mystics. I think I'm more like uh, Philip K. Dick. I have once in a while, I have like an experience that rocks the boat. And then I spend my time trying to figure out this mind bomb in my head. And then you've got uh, like William Blake or like my wife. She's like a natural born mystic. She sees shadow people every day, phantom animals, dead people will come in and talk to her and she'll tell me what they're, I mean, it's like, it's almost like her life is trying to fight these channels. And I think that's why she really embraces uh, Greek orthodoxy to sort of keep herself on this material. Which one are you? Yeah, so I would definitely say in the beginning of my life, I was probably more in your, your line. Right. And then after that experience, I was kind of more in her line. <laughs> um, and now, um, psychic ability is something that I kind of recognize as ebbing and, ebbing and flowing. There are times, and I think it has a lot to do with, you know, what's going on in the cosmos and things like that and your unique constitution. But for the most part, there's ex I have extremely in intensely psychic days where it's like just incredible downloads or, or I'm like mm -hmm. messaging people on yeah. social media, like, I got this message for you. I saw this, you know, and, um, and, and then there's times where I, I don't feel I'm as psychic and I have to work to turn it on a little bit. And so that's kind of like the, the life of a mystic, I think is trying to find that balance, but there are definitely loud days and, and, and more quiet days. Uh, interesting. And also the other question I wanted to ask you, you do uh, psychic development, and do you feel everybody's a psychic? I mean, is that fair? I would say so, but what is your thoughts on that? Yes, everybody actually is a psychic. We have a very narrow idea of what a psychic is, and I think that's actually why people remain so undeveloped. And everyone just thinks that psychic is seeing a vision or, you know, mostly people mostly think psychic ability is actually clairvoyance. That's what I've experienced in, in teaching intuition is people think it's always like a vision. It's like the, like the movies where they're like, and it's like visions of this and visions of that, you know? And, um, but in, in reality, it's, it's, it's feelings, it's um, downloads of information, just, just creativity. It's, um, it can be sounds. It can be actually merging your emotional body with somebody else's. So, and, and, and there's even more types than that, but we have to kind of anchor ourselves in, in the extensions of, of, of kind of our five senses first, and then we can get into like more kind of defined ways there. 
but everybody is psychic in their own way. Usually some, usually the people that think that they're not psychic usually have something that I call them lunar clairs, but they're more quiet clairs. So they don't present as a vision or a sound, but they, but, but you experience it as like an, a deep emotional feeling for no reason or a thought, a knowing for no reason. That's usually what a lot of people who are not psychic are psychic. And if they were to develop those, they would find themselves consciously picking up when they're doing it. And that's what meditation teaches is kind of like when you're, when you're getting something psychic, it becomes more obvious. And, and would you say that um, uh, the other question I wanted to ask you, for example, do you feel in the work that you do that uh, it's in a way kind of Jungian? You're basically trying to teach people to reach their authentic self, their the, the real self that really taps into the world of archetypes and symbols and all that. Is that, I mean, I think like, obviously I think, being psychic is also natural just as you know animals dogs are psychics as the studies have shown animals can see earthquakes and storms miles they can do things that's natural and as humans we've been blocked off from that but is that what you say you try to teach people to reach their authentic self a hundred percent our our authentic self is a psychic self that we're missing that and that's why we have so many problems in society is that we've divorced ourselves from our experience of spirit, which is psychic ability. Spirituality and esoterica is to connect us with our soul. And that's through psychic experience. And so, um, yeah, you know, and, and, and it is natural. Even, even birds know how to go to the same place every time of the year, you know? And so, and, and with the Jungian comment, it's absolutely Jungian because the first thing that we learn in intuition development is that your, your spirit guides or your higher self actually communicate to you in symbols. So they don't like, so spirit won't actually necessarily talk to you. It's very inefficient, like in a clear audience way. It'll just show you like a picture of like a wedding bell or a picture of a leather jacket or a picture of, you know, a father figure. A lot of the times intuition isn't directly you know, what it should be. Like, it's not a direct conversation. So you have to decipher it. And that's very Jungian. You know, Jung was, he was right on that. Yeah, like in a, on a recent video, you said uh, you summon who you are. So you're going to summon the cultural context, the symbol that appears to you. And it could appear aliens or angels or whoever it is. Exactly. And I think that that's actually the thing that I think people miss the most when it comes to spirituality is this idea that, you know, the universe is so vast that the only way that works is by frequency and resonance. And so we have to summon what we are. That's the, that's the higher pattern that has to take place because that's the only way we can control ourselves and control our, control our psychic experience, you know? And so, um, that's why also psychic training is so much about um, being in the heart and meditation and really preparing the consciousness to experience what you are, (laughs) because sometimes it's not so pleasant what you have, you know, your shadow isn't pleasant and sometimes it will come forward and you have to know that that's a shadow 
And you have to know that you can interact with that in a certain way. That it's not the be all end all of your experience. It's a shadow. So. Yes. And and do you find uh, when to start it with the psychic development, do you find people are more distressed? Is something changed in these last few years of divide and conquer and how they're keeping us in a more state of stress? For example, I can say I have to give myself a sense of perspective. I do a uh, um, volunteer work for uh, drug addicts, alcoholics, and so forth. And I realize when I go there, nobody, it's the same game. People are fighting the same struggle. It's, yes, there's more drugs now, but it's still the big three, cocaine, heroin, and alcohol. And once you get there, that's what they're trying to fight. Nobody cares about the politics or this. It's the same struggles. What about uh, in your, do you feel the society has been able to fragmented people before is it still the same game and what the, the type of healing you do yes people feel invalidated i think that's the biggest thing that when people come to someone like me um a lot of the work is getting them to trust themselves again and getting them to sit in emotions that are difficult because our emotional body is we're trying to get it as permeable as possible so that we can use it as a device to actually read frequency. So, you know, just getting into that position. And a lot of it is, is validating, you know, trust your feelings. And a lot of it is inner child trauma going through that, which is the same reason why, why we get addictions and things like that. It's the same sort of, everyone is almost moving through the same type of wounding. But I think with psychic development, um, it's like you sense the spiritual reality of that and you sense kind of like this longer form of what that does to the energy body and what it does to it's kind of like working through that but in a in a much more detailed way and what would you say of course i want to get your views on uh, hermeticism and gnosticism the theme of the show <laughs> i don't think you see the world as i do ruled completely by evil demonic beings how would you see the is that how you see the world oh yes 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 no doubt Ah. i have them i feel i have the most positive view in the world but well i mean i think i think we do have to acknowledge um the shadow Mm -hmm. and i think or, or like evil beings they absolutely do exist but i would say that this is what i would say i would say that they take turns ruling in a way I believe that there are, if we look at it in a long enough form, we can see that there are light ages and there are dark ages. And I believe that during the dark age, that the sort of very dark, perverted, evil beings begin to gain momentum and then it peaks and then we move into a golden age and we face our shadow, we face it in in politics, we face it in every single way. And then we move into a more of a golden age and more perhaps lighter influences are grounded on the planet. Higher beings come in and there's this back and forth that allows us to have this holistic human experience. That's kind of what I would say, but I, but there's no question in, in for me right now that the earth has been under a lot of negative influences i mean that is i do believe that that is the phase you know that that we have been in but it is a useful phase 
And uh, would you say, what are these beings, these negative beings, what do you think their purpose is? So basically, I think that their purpose is to reflect to us our own shadow, reflect to us our own evil, reflect to us our own negativity, because the only way we can overcome them is to overcome those aspects of ourself. And so they're actually great teachers. Um, and that's ultimately, you know, the purpose of, of, of them is to represent our own evil to us. Um, yeah, that's what I would say that it is. Yeah, I think it's fascinating what you mentioned about the different ages. Reminds me of the Zoroastrian movement, Zervanism, where you've got Ahura, Mazda, and Ariman are sort of switching every 14, 18,000 years. Oh, okay. So it depends who has, who's in charge of the universe. And uh, one thing or one um, reason I like you so much is I think you're on the, the vanguard of trying to understand this intersection of spirituality, technology, AI, and just everything that's going on, which is really essential, the digital world too. Digital world too. And I love the work you're doing. I love when you're on with uh, Dark Journalists and Olivia. Shout out to them. They're all, they do great work. And I think this is a very important. It's very important for us to survive. So with that, I would like to see if Vance would have a question for you, Gigi. I see he's more embedded in the whole technology, AI, military stuff. So I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a satellite software engineer. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, a mystical a mystical one, but been doing it for fifty years. Um, in fact, I'll tell you, um, um, AI. Um, I watched your video on you know, uh, critiquing that Georgie guy. Um, uh, with his AI speech and so forth. And I was on your side on that one. And so um, I've always said that something is assembling itself on this planet, that we're being used to assemble something and we're going to be kind of discarded. And I'm against that and I know you're against that. So um, uh, let me check myself though, is that, uh, what do you think of that concept? And it might even be since civilization began, since we start first started making machines, right? With gears and so forth, because we're stuck here. Um, and we had to fight the environment, which is, you know, because the dog eat dog life lives off life world. And so right then and there, now here we are with the AI and we're trying to make the ultimate tool, but maybe we'll become the ultimate <laughs> tools of our ultimate tool so uh, what do you think of all that um, yes that? absolutely I think it is the era I think it's the problem of our era I really do and I see it as being done in a malevolent way and I see it being done purposefully I believe that if we pull back the curtain that all of these tech companies and um, you know, pioneers of the AI have purposefully and intentionally shielded the development of these technologies for their own personal gain, their own financial gain, but also their own power over other people. And they have ushered society along faster than they can handle. And that is the definition of evil. And that's how I see that. And it's quite, it, it's quite simple for me. And part of the problem is, is that I see on the occult end of this is that I actually get a sense and that this has been happening, like, as you said, for generations. 
And I think that this has been formed over generations and that there have been generations of seances and um, kind of contacting certain spiritual entities and that have given them the plans to perhaps create an atomic bomb, to perhaps create the technology that's leading us up to where we are now. If we look at the beginnings of something like NASA or JPL, we can see at the heart of that, we can see who? Jack Parsons, L. Ron Hubbard, Crowley. Crowley ends up contacting a very strange looking being called Lamb. Looks like an alien, looks a lot like an alien. Not a lot written about him though, so a lot of plausible deniability around him, huh? He ends up channeling a very strange looking entity called Lamb. Looks like a gray. This is all around the 1940s. What happens, atomic bomb happens. Suddenly all these crafts are all around. And a lot of the lore around gray ETs is that they are actually AI beings, that they're full of, they're basically like robotic. They're basically androids. And so if you put together a lot of kind of the kind of new age ET stuff with the AI stuff and some of the stuff we know about um, the dark arts, you can kind of start to get like a very interesting spread of what transhumanism really is. And you start to, you start to understand, okay, well, why is this hidden? You know, why would they want to move society along? Like with Jordy Rose, he's, he says, nobody gets what we're doing. I just don't know why nobody gets it. <laughs> and it's like, you hide it. You can't even go into CERN. You can't sue CERN. CERN uses all of the internet. It changes, I believe, the ionosphere. It, there he is. There's Lamb. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Somewhere his ears are ringing, if he has ears. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, so um, we can't even access, or, you know, they purposefully moved. There they are. We purposefully moved in a secretive way because they have... There's, there, there's been a plan, let's say, for hundreds of years to get it to this point. And this is the battle. That's what I would say. It's a long answer, but. No, it's, <laughs> and, uh, that's good, though. Um, I don't even know if they're aware of that they're being used themselves. In fact, he alluded to that. Remember, he said that something about, well, you know, um, supposing something came, took everybody's jobs. And then, well, how about your job? And then after that, he even said that, well, then they all start designing better machines than we can. So they're going to be out of a job, right? I'm not, I wasn't sure if he was trying to argue against the AI. He thought he was going to be the savior, right? And he was going to, um, uh, he was going to save us from the misuse of it. But, and I guess there is a mode. Don't you think there's a mode where humans can control technology? Where oh, yeah. they're not, yeah, it's oh, not yeah. autonomous. But, yeah, and it exactly, but it involves doing it a completely different way than right. they're doing it. It involves including society and having this creation, creativity, the creation of technology done by merit, not by oh, you know somebody or you know that kind. Not that these these inner circles serving themselves. You know, um, there absolutely is a way, and it's with consciousness, and unfortunately. Well, it's actually really interesting to look at the like occult dynamic because the beings that are, well, the, the individuals that are channeling these beings are basically robots themselves. They don't have any robot pieces necessarily. Maybe they do, but they're, they're unemotional. They have no compassion. You know, they have no empathy. They don't recognize a spirit. 
So basically they were robots before they were robots. And what they did is they started piercing a hole in the veil and they're calling in what they are. Are you, you referring know? to the grays? Yeah. Yeah. But you I, could I, even I, look at that as a decrepit timeline of humanity, a failed timeline of humanity where humanity chose if time doesn't exist. And when we do occult ritual, we can maybe summon ourselves from different timelines, right? And so maybe the grays are this timeline that went full AI and there's now like a degenerative, decrepit human that has, you know, no sexual organs, like these big heads, you know, and full of, you know, AI pieces. You know, we could have summoned a negative timeline ourselves from like, negative. We're getting, we're getting like the deep Borg. Here. Yeah. <laughs> we're getting deep here. I know. I love it. Are, I love it. Are you a Star Trek person? Do you, uh, did you follow the next generation Borg uh, arc? Story no, or? my dad and my oh. brother were Star Trekkies, and I, I and like I always felt like it was like I couldn't get into it because they were into it. But I should probably watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in, in fact, uh, my wife uh, when she heard what we were going to be talking about tonight, oh, you're going to see this, and she uh, there's this guy in the YouTube channel that shows, you know, the the Borg and their relationship to you know that you know where they <laughs> came from, and it was uh, it's similar philosophical things. So I would recommend it. Ah, well, I heard that Star Trek actually, they actually use, you know, they actually use real mystery teachings. And they were actually trying to inform people on the truth of our reality. Um, and so apparently, yeah, Star Trek has some interesting true technologies <laughs> and stories in it. Yeah, I mean, oh. uh, the creator, what was his name? Roddenberry. Yeah, he was into seance and mystical stuff. I mean, look, today, did you see the new logo for the Space Force? It's straight out of Star <laughs> Trek. I mean, it's like, no, it they were, is they've been rolling this out. The Starfleet they've been preparing logo. us for a long time about this, don't you think, Gigi? <laughs> I, I thought it was a joke. Like, I just went on Twitter <laughs> no. very, very, okay. I, I saw that, and I was like, is this? Are they like serious? Like the little thing that they go, bip, bip, and it's like the little, yeah. <laughs> and we are I, there. It, unbelievable. Yeah. Not only we are there, I work for those guys. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> <laughs> we used to be the Air Force, and now we're the, uh, it's a weather program. So now we're working for the Space Force. You are the Space Force fans. Uh, you're Ooh. looking at them. You're the you're sheriff. At him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching you. <laughs> okay, well, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I'm grounded. <laughs> and Gigi, what do you, you were talking about the grays and timelines. Do you see the origins of humanity as uh, the ancient astronaut, or what do you think were our origins since we're just going everywhere? It's so, it's, it's such a fascinating question. If you would have asked me, you know, five, years ago, I would have been ancient astronaut, like all the way. But my, my experience has, my opinion has kind of shifted. And I actually am more, I actually think that my problem with ancient astronaut is that I think the theory is a little cold. That's my feeling. That's kind of my read on it. What I mean by that is I actually think that the individual's um, that visit us, I think that they are us in other timelines. And there's a difference between us being visited by 
other versions of ourselves and other timelines and us being visited by some random entity from a different star system that has no real connection with humanity at all. Those are very different things karmically um, and in every way. And so I think that there's a metaphysical cosmic relationship missing from ancient astronaut theory, the typical one. And I think that we essentially connect with different aspects of ourself. And um, I think someone, someone like the Greys, I think their arc is like what Vance was saying, um, you know, and then, you know, perhaps the Pleiadian arc is more of the future timeline, more something that is, because it's, it's organic. There are some Nordics that are not organic, so it can get a little tricky, but, you know, there are real um, beings that represent a higher timeline, you know, for the planet, and they are organic. They never... They don't have any um, synthetic elements. Mm, yeah, fascinating. I, I, I'm going back to Jung. He said, uh, everybody you meet in a dream is a part of you. So I'm starting to think maybe this whole cosmos is a dream and we're just meeting versions of ourselves. Yeah, that's what, that, that's what, I, that, that's what I think. But, there, but sometimes they can be quite far removed. And that's where it gets tricky because, you know, I think humanity can evolve in many different ways. And I think it's maybe only through interacting with ourselves in different forms that we really understand who we are and that we really understand the gravity of the choices that we make. You know, we connect with that future that is completely psychic abilities regained, you know, high society that's compassionate, almost like maybe like the Essenes or something like that, very high society. Um, they have achieved that. You, you, you meet them and you start attuning with that. But you can do that because it's an aspect of humanity. That's why you can attune to it. And then the other one is sort of like, this is what happens if you go down the wrong way. You know, so that's sort of how I see it. So I'm not quite ancient astronaut in the traditional sense, but similar. Yeah, and uh, I remember <clears throat> interviewing Jeff Kripal on his book, Supernatural, that he wrote with Whitley Strieber. And one quote that really stayed in my book is, as humans, we, we get it wrong. We think that the aliens are embedded with us, but we are embedded with them. Would you think that's a fair quote? What do you think about I it? I think that's or? a fair quote. I think that's a very fair quote. And I think um, going back, and maybe a little bit of a hint, too, a little bit of a hint he put there. Um, and I, I think going back to the conversation with the greys, sometimes called the Zetas. Another theme that would support this is the fact that they were very, very involved in genetic engineering and taking humans' genetics. Most abduction scenarios involved taking reproductive materials. A lot of people had like weird babies. Um, and if we weren't an aspect of them, then why would they want to do that why are they so interested in in our genes you know unless it was perhaps to repair a loss of their own genes a loss of their own humanity that they tried to get back through taking dna and um that's why it's so about extracting it they wanted to get it back what they'd lost through perhaps ai yeah that's what i've always heard about it Yes, yeah. somebody in the chat room is 
asking about Jung's Nazi sympathy to Gigi, but I will take care of that issue later on because I always got to hear somebody calling Jung a Nazi or a fascist. There's a good answer to that, but let me take care of that one. But Vince, do you have a question for Gigi or another audience question? Has not have to do um, with Jung see. and Nazis? Maybe space Nazis. Space Nazis. Well, I'm selfish. I wanted to ask about the people from Sirius because uh, I've always had uh, felt a connection with the people from Sirius or whatever they are up there. So what do you know about them? Yeah, Sirius has always been one of the star systems. When I used to have a private practice, a lot of people would really have a strong connection to Sirius. And humanity has a really strong connection to Sirius. And Sirius um, is a very exalted sun. It's a very exalted system. And it's where a lot of people's, I would say, higher self is anchored. So a lot of people's fifth dimensional self or sixth dimensional self is strongly linked to Sirius. Oh, and, yes. Um, and yes, and even um, very exalted teachers, you know, come almost directly through that star system, through the sun. So that there's a very strong connection with the planet Sirius and us. And um, Sirius also appears to me often kind of like, almost like a womb. And it almost, it's almost like whatever happened on Sirius created where we are now. So there's a connection to Sirius's timeline and the Earth's timeline, like we're a denser version of it almost. And a lot of the beings from Sirius do tend to be aquatic, which is really interesting. For some reason, a lot of the experiencers that connect with Sirius have very intense connection to water. And it does tend to be a little bit aquatic, but not exclusively. And there's also a lot of the time feline entities that present from Sirius as well. But a lot of um, Sirius is also associated with um, esoteric schools. So there's a lot of deep esoteric schools that it's going to sound really crazy, but they exist there and they store information there. So there's this aspect to Sirius that is a real kind of place that people have incarnated and things like that. But then there's also the aspect that it is a storage place for information. Um, and so Sirius has a lot of information stored there. Um, and a lot of, I don't think mystery schools talk about it, but, a, but, but I think when you get in there, I think they may, might talk about it a little bit more, but it's an important um, ritual star for a reason because of the information that's there. Did you, great, thanks. Did you see, have you ever seen an entity like associated with Sirius at all? Or was it, is it just like a feeling, like a draw? Um, it was a feeling. Um, when I read uh, Robert Anton Wilson's, um, you know, Cosmic uh, Trigger years ago when I was young, I just knew that it was, I was connected with it somehow. And every time I go outside at nighttime, there it is. I mean, it's like right in front of me. I don't even look for it. It's in front of me. And uh, it's just a deep inner feeling uh, connection with it. Uh -huh. And I guess my real name is Moondog. So maybe the dog part. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, it's so funny because a lot of the times, like we laugh, but it's like, that's actually how spirit works. Yeah, yeah I agree. 
I yeah, agree. like you would, it's to remind yourself of where you're from. A lot of your, like your names or, or, or your appearance or what you're interested in. It's all part of like who you are expressing here. So. Yeah. So um, we, I got, well, let's see, we got another question here. Oh, uh, this is, I hate to get off the aliens and stuff. We come back. Um, so uh, someone, AA cool quite a while ago, wanted to know, do tarot and other tools help improve psychic abilities? Yeah, absolutely. Tarot um, is archetypal. So Jung would obviously say, you know, he would say, you know, when we look at the tarot, the, the tarot cards, all of the certain symbols will pop up to us. And when we learn the meaning of those symbols, we're sort of divining with our subconscious. That's kind of what Jung would say. Um, and then psychics say, or really deep mystics say that, that, you know, that they're actually channeling spirit and channeling energy through the cards and um, that the cosmos actually speak through the cards. And so it, it, it absolutely does, but it's, it's, it's important when using tarot to know that you want to go into that light trance state. And it's not about literally reading the cards, like with your little book but kind of getting into that trance state and then using the cards. That way you can get the meaning that's right for you. Yeah, great. Yeah, another uh, member was asking, has Gigi explored astral projection and how it can be a tool uh. of ascent from Armando Solorzano? <laughs> Hello, Armando. <laughs> yes, I have explored astral projection and i started out with um lucid dreaming and i think that that's one of the best ways to get into astrally projecting is to get first really good at your dream time and lucid dreaming and then you can sort of work into and there's different levels of astral projection too and i think nobody really talks about this but you know you can kind of astrally project like a little bit outside of your body very naturally and you won't even realize that you're doing it so we kind of project sometimes we can be really in our body and sometimes we can be a little bit out of our body and so um i did it through first learning how to lucid dream more and then i would say that when i do psychic work um i'm i am asked i i am to a degree astrally projected to do the work and are you able to go to these other planets or places or is it, are they like you keep saying they download to you? Yeah, it's more, I see, I'm not the kind of experiencer cause there's some experiencers that definitely, um, you know, were regularly taken up on ships and, um, have a lot of traveling experience. That was not the case for me. It was all for me. It was all about like, telepathically speaking and having me develop an ability to talk to them rather than them showing up here it was all about me building it. Um, but I would get shown things and I would enmesh with different places and it was a psychic experience. Um, and so I would be shown certain worlds with, you know, different, you know, um, different a, a different type of sunlight the water is a different texture um a different feeling to the beings that would vibrate in a completely different way so i'd be immersed in different worlds 
Um, but I never left my body. I, I was never taken on a ship and taken there. It was like I was immersed in them. Um, so that was more, yeah, my experience. Yeah, I know my, my wife can astral travel, but she's a bit different. She did it out of, it was a coping skill. She was so brutally oh. abused as a child, it became a way of, she could just leave her body and and it just became se second nature. Do you find uh, cases like that in your work? Oh, some of the best psychics became that way through disassociation. Mm -hmm. And that's really what psychic work is. Even when I was talking about, you know, merging with other worlds, I'm, I'm really just disassociating from my body and associating with another world. That's all that we're doing. Um, the difference is, is just, you know, getting to do that from a place of um, more exact control. But some of the best psychics, um, if, you, if you ask them about their childhood, it's like mm, yeah. they, were, they did it out of survival. And that is actually the thing about psychic ability is that it's actually a survival skill. We need to sense when somebody's a weirdo. We need to sense when we're in danger. Mm -hmm. And so that's actually why we're psychic is to survive. But some people really, I mean, I feel like your wife probably was born with an exalted ability. <laughs> yeah, it runs in, yeah, Native American. Yeah. It like, runs um, in her family. And, and then when, you're, when you go through intense trauma, you just use whatever you have to cope. And so for her, she immediately, it's a skill, it's a gift, but she used it to survive. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you got to do it. What about you? Do you ever wonder, well, why was I chosen? Things would have been so much easier if I was back in the, the matrix, if you would. <laughs> I feel sometimes it is really difficult because yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love dance. <laughs> um, sometimes um, it is, it is very difficult because when you start to develop, you have to have this relationship with the mystery where you, where you have to sort of really accept that you're never really going to fully know because what they don't tell you about being psychic is the more I think sensitive you become, the more questions you have. No. And so um, it, it, it's sort of like, I think that's the tougher thing is sometimes you don't know why things are happening in your life or, or why this happened to me. And so you have to, it really forces you to be okay with the mystery and, and to love that and to allow it to develop you in a certain way, I think. But um, I do sometimes think it'd be a lot simpler to not talk about aliens on the internet and <laughs> to have a little bit of a different path. But I wouldn't change it for the world. There you go. Well, you got Space Force. Vance and Space Force is going to take care of everything soon. So oh, no. <laughs> I don't know about that. Oh, boy. There's some weird theories about the Space Force going around. I don't There's know. There's a lot I of theories. I feel like we are at a point where people are asking more questions or having more contact experiences. And I can't help but feel like this is all a way to control that, control the narrative, control Bingo. where we're going. I mean, I just is, and we've already had, we already have disclosure cults going on and it's the real theme of, they know what's going on. They're on a timeline. They're well aware. So. Stephen Greer, right? Stephen Greer, project, you know. Project Disclosure. 
Yeah. That stuff's real. You know, he has real people up there and all the stuff with the Navy and the Tic Tac. And I mean, that's pretty getting pretty clear. Things are. Oh, happening. I mean, there's no question that we are being visited, that there's different types of visitors. And in, in my opinion, there's no question that the government has made treaties and it has connections with certain beings and things. I don't think there's a question. There's not a question in my mind, but we have, we're a weird schism because some people would look at us talking right now and be like wow they're nutty you know <laughs> and and so there's a schism in consciousness right now where how is that gonna how is that gonna render itself and <laughs> that's know? a good cover right they create that to hide what they're doing or that's one possible mm -hmm. technique no yeah i have a theory um what do you think about this reach into your intuition see if you think this has some truth to it the government already has AI. They've had it for years, and they run the planet with it. And that's so that's how they figure out how to do the diplomacy and what to say to what country and who has what weapons and that they're being advised. And it started with the military games, you know, the scenarios and the simulations they used to do, and they got smarter and smarter, and eventually the AI technology came in. Uh, I have no personal knowledge of that, you know, from my job or anywhere else, but that's something that kind of came to me one day. I said, you know what? They usually start hinting about something way after they've already got it. So what do you think? That is, that is their playbook. Yeah, that is their playbook for sure. Um, yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I, I, I think that they're much farther along than they would ever admit. Um, it's usually done under national security. Yeah, you know? of course. That's how they do that. Um, and they've been trying to pillage certain areas for certain artifacts, um, as well, which is a very interesting component. And I do think that they look for stargates and I do think that there's a deep esoteric occult element to this as well. Um, but I think that we are much farther along, but we've like, as you say, and I think that we've reached a point where it's actually so far along that they have to start getting everybody else on board because it's actually pointless for them to continue anymore. Like they actually need to um, start to roll it out because they can't go any further without it getting down into the masses. Yeah, and even not even just uh, AI or extraterrestrials but uh, magic itself I, I don't know if you've ever heard this saying that uh, million millionaires don't do astrology billionaires do astrology because it works because they've been doing it for years i mean yeah. we know they've been doing you know men staring at goats and the government has been deeply steeped in the occult don't you think for a long time 100 percent oh yeah in every in every way i mean the idea that the occult and spirituality, things like astrology, the use of psychics, um, is woo-woo, is only yeah, for the common folk. Remote all that, yeah. Yeah, that's a common, that's what, that's what the common folk are supposed to believe. The, the masses are to believe that everything is woo-woo, while they use psychics, astrologers, um, not just psychics, but teams of psychics 
as a technology <laughs> um, and all sorts of things, you know, and that's really what's been going on. I mean, on the X series with dark journalist, he covers him and Olivia, they cover, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. things like the Orphic circle, you know, um, and also, you know, someone like a character like Jane Dixon, mm -hmm. who was, you know, such a more frequent to the white house than I think anybody, um, why, <laughs> you know, so, I mean, they're absolutely doing deep occult rituals. Um, they're steeped in, it's part of their culture. It's part of royal culture. And if you could look, it's part of that culture too. And, and it's part of um, political culture for sure. But most people would laugh, but it's, it's true. No, yeah. In fact, I was thinking, uh, watching YouTube channels like, they must have a, like you said, a room of Gigi Youngs doing their work. I was like, how did you skate? Or, oh, no, you skate. <laughs> how did well, you get under the radar? <laughs> well, you know what? I, yeah, no, I definitely um, didn't develop. I, I didn't start coming into that part of my etheric body until later. So I wouldn't have given off any signs etherically of being psychic until later on in my life. Um, and uh, as I, I was also grown up, I also grew up in a very rural area of Canada um, in the mountains. And also the thing about, I think government programs is that I think it, it takes, you have to be, there has to be more qualities to you than just being a good psychic. I think that you have to be malleable. Hmm. And I think that you don't have to ask I think that you shouldn't ask questions. I don't think you can be stubborn. You have to be very agreeable because I think that that's, and that's why MK Ultra and programs like that exist is, is to, is to try to push that on children and things like that. But I think that, um, and they do try to develop kids too, I think for that. But um, yeah. So it's all very strange. Yeah. Well, here you are. And, I guess the important thing going back to the, more or less the beginning of the interview is the idea of the occult and technology coming together. How do you see this? Or maybe you could start by uh, talking a little bit about uh, Steiner's Araman, which seems to be coming true. What can we do about it? Yeah. So I'm not sure. Are people, people know Steiner's or probably but he actually is an incredible mystic and he's a unique mystic because he really goes into detail about this character named Armon. And he is basically like the devil. As you said, he's part of Ahura Mazda. He's part of, he's like his shadow side. Right. And, um, but when Steiner talks about Armon, he, he, go, he goes into detail and, and he describes Armon very interestingly. And he says he's, you know, obsessed with numbers. And that when you connect with him, you get heavier and heavier and heavier and denser and denser and denser. And basically, a lot of his work, too, is about transhumanism. And sort of Armin wants to create this transhumanist world and change consciousness in such a way that it actually sucks it into something called the eighth sphere, which is an alternate path of evolution. And um, so Steiner has basically described the exact situation that we're in. He is allotting a deity, a name to it. Um, and by the way, this is, you know, in the 1800s. 
you know, we didn't even have a computer, you know? So he, it's incredibly prophetic. And I've, I've talked about this on um, dark journalist show as well, our arm and, and, and Steiner and things like that. But I really wish more people would read um, his work because I, I think that, you know, it's like if people could sometimes when you personify something like um, the way that Armin's personified and what he stands for and what he wants to push on humanity, then you get it. If you can see it personified in a deity or an entity or like an archon, then you get it. But if it's not personified and it's a bunch of like nebulous character traits, we don't get it. And so that's why Armin and the teaching of Armin is so amazing is that we see it, we, we see everything negative in, that we face in society in Aramon. And there's Lucifer, which is different. Lucifer is a little different than Aramon, but they work together to create the eighth sphere, which is all around us in a little bit of a different frequency. And how do you see things going with the whole transhumanism? I mean, what can be done? What can be done? I feel like we're at a, at a phase of education mm-hmm. and what the, what the, what spirituality teaches us or what the occult teaches us is that with our consciousness, just through gnosis or through knowing we depotentiate things. So just through us educating ourselves about who are the characters in it, what do they believe? What are they doing? What are the dynamics of something like CERN and D-Wave and Kindred AI? Um, just by educating it, it actually depotentiates a lot of energy. Because they're practicing, I believe, the dark occult, it requires ignorance. It requires humanity, which is why it's set up the way it is, why you can't really go into CERN, why you never know what's going on, why they made it a separate entity like the Vatican. They need people to be ignorant. And, um, but they need to reveal a little bit. It's a, it's a very, it's a very delicate balance that this type of maneuver needs. And so if that balance is thrown by people just being educated, that changes the game. And then once people are educated, there are people who are professionals in this field that will step forward, but they can't step forward until the public understands. But once things understand, these people will rise. The experts will rise. So Mm. that's how I see that happening is lots of education and then allowing people to step forward to represent the public properly. Yeah. Like uh, what you said in your last video, I think you hit it on the head when you're talking about uh, Gordy Rose and all that, you know, Lovecraft mixing Lovecraft with machines and dark magic. And I mean, it's like he gave away the plot and thank you for giving away the plot. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it was so funny because that's the problem with some people who get into like this transhumanism AI thing is doing an in plain sight reveal ritual where you tell the public what you're doing um, so that you can harvest energy from them. It's actually very difficult to do. Um, And there are light people in the light who do the same thing, but they do to educate. They'll, 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 They'll create amazing works of fiction or they will create a painting or they'll leave something in plain sight to educate the public, right? Um, to a higher timeline or to, to a higher place. But when they do this, 
the dark arts are very because they don't have that connection to to the heart really they tend they tend to really do it poorly which is what he it was so obvious what he was doing it was like a robot was doing it because when because some people do it so well i've had experiences with really great spiritual teachers that do that 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 initiate you into something better in your life and you don't realize it until 2 years later mm-hmm. and you're like that person did something incredible to me and it's the same kind of thing but they're doing it in a negative way and it was really sloppy it was really and i think even i think even lovecraft himself would be like that was really that was really obvious jordy <laughs> especially there was a part where i got it afterwards but he, there was a part where he actually like gave a date where he was like July in 30 years or something uh, like that yeah, and yeah. i was like mm yeah like what you said uh, i think uh, the way to fight it the gnosis is in one part you say uh, people are not limited they are infinite i think if we realize the potential of our minds and our heart uh, we can really all this technology and mind control will will dissipate we'll see where we stand a hundred percent one hundred percent and you know it's like um we don't realize how powerful we are but it's all about the gnosis it's all about occupying our higher self and not leaving it as this empty thing to be funneled away to anybody who knows better you know it's about occupying that by educating ourselves and then things will change Well said. Yeah, people are asking on the chat about this video events. Could you throw a link on the chat cuz people are now like what are these two talking about these three guys yeah, talking okay. about this movie, okay. this great movie everybody missed and something like that's the feeling they're getting. It was this it was this guy um for the people in chat it was this guy who was the creator of D-Wave and mm-hmm. something called Kindred AI. His name is Jordy Rose and he was giving a talk to other people in the tech industry about the future of ai and he used a lot of occult terminology lovecraft references he said he was summoning demons in the past he's compared right. the oscillation of the computer to a heartbeat he's done some very like i mean if you want to go down a rabbit hole you know that's a weird one yeah yeah and your critique was spot on yeah vance has put the he's put the link on there so people can see it and uh but uh what do you think Gigi about the term occult itself do you think it's even necessary should we move on is it sort of a stumbling block a polemic i mean nothing's yeah. hidden even though everything's hidden in plain sight now or obfuscated yeah it's sort of a thing where for me i just try to use the language that people will understand and um i try not to pay too much attention on like how technically exact it is i try to just use something that people are like oh okay oh oh, oh okay because the pr- the problem is is like um when it comes to metaphysics we don't have a very good language a lot of it is eastern which only people who are into the eastern mysteries really understand like chakra the different levels of consciousness no. and then there's some western but there isn't this like established language for <clears throat> metaphysics and then there's like hermeticism and you call so we're really kind of 
at a loss for good language. So although I don't love the word because I actually think it's got a lot of negative connotations, um, I do use it because I want people to understand what I'm talking about without having to use a lot of disclaimers. Yeah, it's just going to have to do for now. I know you like to use uh, esoteric and esoteric. I like to use that. It's it's a little bit softer than uh, a cult sounds kind of Iron Maiden stuff. It does. <laughs> yeah, it does. You, you get like a, a weighty feeling to it, but it yeah. is associated with the dark arts. So I use it in, in plain sight because I, I do want people to, there's almost a thing in the new age, which is where I'm, where, where I'm kind of rooted where people immediately hide from the shadow and they hide from the, the word, the occult. You cannot let a word or anything control how you feel about something. You have to forge your own meaning for that. And um, so I, I do, I don't like to shy away from using darker words and darker references because I want the new age to be strong. I want them to be autonomous and not be afraid of the shadow. Exactly. And what would you say are some of your criticisms with new age in itself? I agree with a lot of it. Mm -hmm. I, you know what? I agree with a lot of the, the criticisms of the new age, um, especially if it's coming from somebody who can acknowledge the good of the new age. If somebody can tell me five things that are good about the new age, then I will listen to your criticism about the new age. But if, if someone comes at me and they're like, it's the new cage and it's woo woo. And you put your woo woo hat on and you cloud ride and it's just crap. It's like, <laughs> You just don't like it. Like, this is not an educated opinion, sir or ma'am. You know, I don't, I don't respect that. I don't respect if, if, if you can come with exact criticisms and solutions, but you innately notice the, the desire and the need for, or, or the uh, purpose of the new age, which is ultimately autonomous spirituality. Mm. You know, people who, who, who come into the new age usually just don't want to be in a religion or they or they're psychics or they're mystics and they're kind of having psychic experiences or they're mystical but they don't want dogma and that is, that expresses in all kinds of the, the new age is huge you know and so um that's usually but i agree with good criticism of it um like you know i think that um i would like to see it come into the mainstream more and I, I really don't, one really good criticism that I can give for the new age is, gosh, there's a lot of cults in it. <laughs> good Lord, there's a lot of cults. And that is, and a lot of people in the new age are too afraid of rocking the boat to speak up about it. And that would probably be my biggest, biggest criticism of it. And there you have it, my beloved true seekers. The first part of our interview with Gigi Young. I'm sure you know it's going to continue being just as intense and mind-expanding in the second part. And we have some fun too as we discuss some movies and television shows. As mentioned, and as a bonus, I'll include an excerpt from a past interview with Lawrence Gallian where he gets more granular on the issue of Steiner's Ahriman, Lucifer, and the Eighth Sphere. I feel it brings context to Gigi's powerful interview. 
including the audio version, this is a cool listen if you leverage the private RSS feed from AB Prime or Patreon that works on the podcast provider of your choice. So please become an AB Prime member or patron at Patreon and support this Red Pill Cafeteria. Go to thegodabovegod.com for means to assist and get the infernal rewards. Or just contact me. I can't do it without you. And if you've got holes in your pockets due to the monkey shines of Arcturians, just message me and I'll give you a show on the serious house. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being yourself, your true self, here in the desert of the real. Hello and goodbye as always. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.